way that Christ saw the world was through his cross. And, and I can only imagine what Christ was saying and thinking. And we know the scriptures. But rather what he was thinking as he was hanging up on the cross. Seeing the multitudes of people. Father forgive them for they know not what they do. And having compassion and mercy upon them. And as he was upon the cross. He was there because he loved them. That's just a, a tough thought to grasp. The fact that he's on the cross, but yet he loved those who put him on the cross. And I mentioned this morning, today, and we begin this morning thinking about as Jesus was telling his disciples that he would go to the cross, that he must suffer, he must be killed, rejected, and must be killed, must rise again the third day. Jesus was preparing his disciples towards the cross, the reason why he came. It would be just some period of time shortly after he begins teaching them. And he would spend these next months preparing them. Uh, because when he was gone, they must have a full understanding and a conception of, of, to his purpose. Why he came. Because using these men, these men who the Bible tells us that they turned the world upside down. With the preaching of the cross. And they would fully need to understand what it was all about, why he came, what the cross was, and the purposes, and so on. So as we think about how Christ saw the world, I can only think about how he saw it as he was hanging upon the cross, as he was working toward the cross. And as again, I mentioned this morning for the next, tonight and next Sunday, we'll be thinking about the theme of the cross and and the importance of it. Um, Oswald Chambers said. Sin is not weakness. It is not disease. It's red handed rebellion against God. And the magnitude of that rebellion. Is exposed. At Calvary. We see the. The, the things that happen at the cross. And the, the magnitude of. What took place there it is quite overwhelming to think what Christ did for us. Uh, Christ, the cross is, is our entrance into heaven. We'll have to go by way of the cross. It's our entrance to heaven. It's also the place where we cast our cares. I like the way Spurgeon put it. Spurgeon said, cast your troubles where you've cast your sins. Good thought. Because Christ did this there, he can take care of this now. That's what he's saying. So it's the same place. We look at what Christ has done, what he's completed, the finished work of Calvary. And we can rely, we can rest, we can trust that he has not forsaken us. He has not left us alone, but he will guide us and continue to do so, that his salvation is eternal. His love is, it does not end. His provision is always available. So tonight I just want to think about the cross just a little bit, and I want to think about the aspect of the cross from Colossians chapter number one, please. Colossians chapter number one. And we think about the cross, we think about the blood 
that was shed upon Calvary's tree. It's been said that maybe the Bible, the religion, is a, a bloody religion. Well, we look at this tonight and understand that it's not the Christ that's bloody, but it's sin that requires blood. The wages of sin is death. And so we look at this truth tonight with regards to the blood of the of the cross. And the cross is the major, um, it's the pinnacle, may I say, including all of it, the death, burial, and the resurrection. It's the pinnacle of all of the gospel messages and all the word of God. And we look to that cross for salvation. We are secured in that cross. Colossians chapter 1. We'll read a, a little bit of a lengthy passage tonight. Verses Begin reading with me in verse number 9. For this cause also we since the day we heard it. Do not cease to pray for you. And desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. And all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord. Unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and, please note that, and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, which... And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you. And fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ. In my flesh. For his body's sake. Which is the church. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me. For you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. But now is made manifest to his saints. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Which is Christ in you the hope of glory. 
Boy, that'd be a good theme for a church, I believe, for a year. Christ in you. Christ in us. Verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's what it'll take to go to heaven. Perfection. Perfection will not be from a man. The perfection will be from the God-man, Jesus Christ. Perfect. Presented before God. Because of what Christ did for us upon Calvary. Whereunto also labor, striving according to his workings, which worketh in me mightily. Here in the Bible, the word of God that we see tonight, we see two things mentioned. Two times is mentioned out of verse number 14 and out of verse number 20. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Verse 20, and having made peace through the blood. This is the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed upon Calvary for us. I want us to think about verse number 20 for a few minutes tonight. But out of verses 14 and verse 20, when it's talking about the blood, we see what the blood does for us. The importance of the blood when it comes to us, to you, and to me. What, what's the importance of that blood? Well, part of that importance is that it says in verse 14, we have redemption. How? Through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. How can sins be forgiven? Only by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse number 20. Uh, how do we have peace? How do we have peace uh, within us? Freedom from guilt, freedom from sin. How do we have peace with God? How is peace made with God? Through the blood, the blood of his cross. How are we reconciled through the blood? Reconciled through the blood of Jesus Christ. In these two verses, we have redemption that's through the blood. We have forgiveness that's through the blood. We have peace that's through the blood. We have reconciliation that's through the blood. But what is this blood? The importance of it. Why the blood? Why the blood of the cross? Why this blood that he mentions here? And, and how does this, what's the importance of it? The significance of the blood? Because first and foremost is because in the blood there's life. Life is in the blood. Uh, look with me at Leviticus chapter number 17. Hold your place here. We'll come back to it. But go with me to Leviticus chapter number 17, verses 11 and following. You know, years ago, they used to have this thing called bloodletting. I think I've even read in history books where it may have been the thing that, that eventually took the life of George Washington and others. They thought that when you were sick, the thing to do was just... Bloodlet. In other words, take a make an incision and let the blood out. You know, they're getting rid of the impurities. But later on, they understood that it was in the blood that gave the life. It's not in the blood. In the losing of the blood, life is lost. But it's in the blood. It's because of the blood that we have life. In the importance of the blood, when we come to the cross, we see in verse number 11 of Leviticus 17, this is medical science, medical truth. It's amazing. So much in the Bible to teach us. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls and for the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. And whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or the strangers and sojourning among you, that hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Jesus, or excuse me, God in the Old Testament is, is giving the instructions for sacrifices. He's telling them what to do with the blood. And it's a, it's a fascinating study when you consider it from the Old Testament perspective. And he's teaching here that the life is in the blood. So the importance of the blood is we see that it is what gives life. And so we see the value of life is measured in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of atonement, the act of atonement in that Old Testament economy. To sacrifice the, 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 the goat or the lamb or the bullock was to make an atonement. We'll talk a little bit about that. Upon the altar. The life of the soul is in the blood. Uh, if God, if that blood had not been applied, then God's wrath exists and existed. When God saw the blood, we know from the Exodus, when he saw the blood, he passed over them. What an amazing, wonderful picture that is. Life is in the blood. What's, why the blood of the cross? Because the life's in it. Why the blood of the cross? Because redemption is in the blood. Redemption is in the blood. Uh, go with me to the book of Hebrews, please. Chapter number 9. The book of Hebrews, chapter number 9. Redemption is in the blood. Chapter number 9, verses 11 and following. Verse number, chapter number 9, verse 11. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, of a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who hath, who, excuse me, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the new covenant, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also be the necessity of the death of the tester. For a tester is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, 
is of no strength at all while the tester liveth. He's talking about there needs to be a death here. Whereupon, verse 18, whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. He's talking about the Old Testament. It was dedicated without, he says it was, blood was used. It was not dedicated without blood. He goes on to explain, verse number 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all, precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things were by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, here it is, is no remission. The life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with, a, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are a, the figures of the true. He's talking about the Old Testament. And they were types, they were pictures of Christ and that which would come. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which were the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. Those priests went into those tabernacles and every single year they had to come back and they had to do it again and they had to do it again and they had to do it again. But he's talking about this being a picture. And then Jesus comes. The incarnation happens. The life of Jesus. And then he comes. He comes to die upon the cross. Not in a way and offer himself and not in a way that they did in the Old Testament. Verse 25, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. But then must he have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away by the sacrifice of himself. There it is. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. In these passages, in this passage that we just read, we see that in the blood, out of verse number 12, in the blood we have eternal redemption. Out of verse number 14, we see this, again the significance of the blood. In the blood, we are purged from dead works to serve the living God. Purged from the dead works of the law that shows us our sin. Purged from these things. In verse number 15, the significance of the blood. The blood 
enables us to, that we might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Verse number 22, the significance of the blood is that through the blood we have remission of sins. Uh, the, the idea of remission is freedom from sin. It's not just the freedom from the bondage, the penalty. It's freedom from all of those things. The payment, he paid it full. The remission of sins. We have liberty, it's deliverance, remission of sins. We see out of verse number 24, he is the mediator of a new covenant. It enables us to appear in the presence of God. He appears in the presence of God for us. The mediator between God and man. His own blood enables him to do that. His own blood, we see out of verse number 26. For then must he have, off, have suffered for the, since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end, for, excuse me, in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He put away sin through the blood. He put away sin. This is completed salvation. It's all in the blood. His blood is our sure hope. He's coming again. It's our sure hope that when he comes again, he will receive us unto himself. That where he is, there we may be also. The significance of the blood. Life is in the blood. blood the blood does all these things for us and so much more. We cannot even begin to mention them all in one service. But why, not only why the blood, we understand the blood of the cross. But we go back to our verse in Colossians Verse number 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Why his blood? That's a significant question. Why his blood? What was it about his blood? Why him? With all the Old Testament sacrifices and all the, the, the sacrifices that were given, surely there would have been the blood of one of those that would have sufficed. The blood of one of those sacrifices throughout the centuries that would have sufficed. Surely. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't. Because the blood had to be perfect blood. That's the difference. In the blood of Christ, we have perfection. It's His cross. It's His blood because His blood is perfect. There's no sin whatsoever in His blood. In His life. Listen to Hebrews 10, 1 through 4. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make a Make the comers thereunto perfect. Even though they did it year after year, time after time, over and over again. Every time they did it, it did not make them perfect. Therefore, they had to come back the next year and do it again and do it again and do it again. For then they would have ceased to be offered. If it could have made them perfect. They would have ceased to have stopped offering them, ceased to have offered these sacrifices because that the worshipers were once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in 
those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. You see, when they came every year and offered the sacrifices, this did not purge them from their sin, but it reminded them of their sin. It recalled their sin. And it recalled the need for a sacrifice. Verse 4, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. You see, there was the need for perfection. That's where Jesus comes in. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23. If you'll look at that. I hope you don't mind using your Bibles a little bit tonight. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23. And following. Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 28. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Notice, they were subject to death, these priests. For it's by one man sin in the world and death by sin, so death is passed upon all men for all have sinned. Why did they die? Because they were sinners. By reason of death, verse 24. But this man, because he continueth forever. Who's this man? He's Jesus Christ. Hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us. Who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separated from sinners and made higher than the heavens. I want you to see the perfection out of verse number 26. He's holy, he's harmless, he's undefiled, he's separated from sinners. He's higher than all men. Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins. The priest had to offer him for himself and then for the people's. For this he did once. Boy, mark that in your Bibles. That ought to be eternal security for every single born again child of God. This he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Why his blood? Because his blood was perfect. Hebrews 4. Let's look at it one more time. Hebrews 4 verses 14, 15, and 16. Seeing then that we have a high priest, a great high priest, that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Boy, he's entered into everything that you've entered into. He's dealt with everything that you are dealing with. Someone say, well, nobody's ever walked in my shoes. Jesus Christ did. He has. He knows full well. He's been there. He was rejected. He suffered. He was killed. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Why his cross? Why his blood? It's the perfection of it. 
it's an eternal blood. It's a purified, cleansed blood. Not should me back up and make sure cleansed, not from a perspective of that it was once dirty and needed to be cleansed. It was never dirty. It never had one iota, one molecule, one drop, one thought, one act of sin was ever in Jesus Christ in his life. He's high and holy, separated from all these things. It was the blood of the cross. It was his cross. So we see that it was perfection. If we're going to get to heaven, we're going to have to get to heaven God's way, and God's designed way, and it's by way of perfection. Who fits that bill? None of us. But Jesus Christ did for us. You see, the blood, the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, there's blood that must be shed. There's death that must take place. And Jesus Christ on the cross became that death, that sacrifice for us. Why is it so important? Because it was his blood. Because he shed it for us. The significance of this. In this blood, the importance for you and for me is that in this blood we have the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is a really, really great Bible word. You ought to get a hold of it. You ought to study it a little bit. You ought to let it sink in a little bit. Listen to 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of just the elect. Is that what your Bible says? Sorry to be a little hard on the crowd that teaches that kind of thing. But that's what the Bible says. No, it doesn't say that at all. He says, not only your sins, but for the sins of the whole world. Boy, that's good. That means it works for everybody. Not just a few, it works for everybody. The propitiation for our sins. In the Old Testament, it talked about the atonement. And when they would offer sacrifices, the atonement. And there's a sense where the atonement and the Old Testament sacrifices, these things covered our sins. And that is true. But when we come to the propitiation, not it, does, it goes a step further. It just does not cover our sins. It washes our sins clean. It removes our sins. The blood of Jesus Christ removes the wrath of God. Propitiation, it removes the wrath of God. It satisfies God and with me. It makes God satisfied with me. It puts me literally, propitiation, it removes the wrath of God. It removes my sin and it puts me in favor with God. Boy, this is amazing. This is tremendous. Why the blood is the propitiation. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. And I like the way John puts it. The righteous goes back to the thought, no sin, perfection. The righteous. The blood, through the blood I have propitiation for my sins. Through the blood I have redemption for my soul. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. For from your vain conversation received by the tradition of your fathers. 
but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood, the propitiation for my sins, the redemption of my soul, it's the forgiveness of my sins. Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Understand, we'll never mind the depths of God's grace. We'll never come to the end of God's grace. Sins, 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 multitude of sins, multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. God's grace is greater than all of them. Forgiveness is available to all those who will accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. I have the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins means that again I made right with God. My sins are washed away. There's no double jeopardy with God with regards to my sins. They're gone. And now I can have fellowship with God. I'm put in right favor with Him. And I have favor with God. Because of the blood I have forgiveness. Because of the blood I have the cleansing. Not only the forgiveness but the cleansing Forth the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh. The outward, how much more the blood of Christ, through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. There's something new. It's, it's called the new birth. There's something fresh. There's something clean. About being clean from sin. The guilt is gone. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry if it's going to come back and haunt me. Or, or come back and catch up with me. It's gone. It's cleansed. It's removed. The bondage is broken. Cleansed from my sins. Jesus Christ did that for us. First John 4 and 7. The blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sins made clean made clean in Jesus Christ because of the blood I have peace I have peace with God not only peace with God but peace within myself again that clear conscience God put I believe a a it's a God placed thing we were talking about the other day what's the purpose of some of the things that the doctors take out of us these days. They still haven't figured a few of these things out. Appendicitis. Some of these kinds of things. God put within us. God put within us a conscience. When that conscience becomes dirty. It becomes defiled. We carry that conscience. It goes with us everywhere. We get up with that conscience. We go down with that conscience. We live day in and day out with that conscience. God put it there. But when it's clean, there's nothing like it. Nothing between us and our Savior. No clouds between us and Jesus. Cleanse from our sin. So I have peace. Through that cleansing, I have peace with God. There's nothing like living knowing that everything's right between you and the Lord. Nothing like living that way. Nothing between you and the Lord. Well, when you live in that way, you can pray. In confidence. 
You can pray in confidence. The Lord hears and answers my prayers. Listen, next time you get in a, a pickle in life, you get in a hard place, and you ask people to pray for you, you ought to do that. By the way, you ought to do that. Let me just say for some of you folks that are afraid to tell anybody about anything in your life, you don't want anybody to know about it, let people pray for you. That's what the church does. Let people pray for you. But you want people praying for you, you can get a hold of God. You want people praying for you that their heart is cleansed. There's nothing between them and the Lord. There's direct access between them and the Lord. You want that kind of people praying for you. Being right with God. Not only does the blood of Christ make me right with God, but the blood of Christ draws me near to God. Ephesians 2 and 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off or made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. This, I believe, speaks not only of salvation, of sanctification, but it speaks of fellowship. Fellowship. Sometimes my wife will say, when we get out of the car and we're walking across the parking lot, she'll say, get my hand. Get my hand. What's she looking for? Closeness and fellowship. That's what God looks for. That's what God wants. Closeness with God. Fellowship with God. Communion with God. It gives me freedom to fellowship with Him. There's nothing like coming to church and singing the songs freed up from sin. Worshiping. Entering into a time of worship. When we come to church... Brother Andrew leads in song, and the choir sings, and we hear the words, and, and boy, didn't did it just bring us into the presence of God? When the church, there's a sense where the church and the Great Commission, the, the going of the church, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and, and win souls and plant churches and reproduce and reproduce. Do it over and over and over again. There's a sense where God has told us. He says, go, go, go. That's why we're having a mission conference. But there's another aspect of the church. When we come to worship, it's really those who are right with God who are able to worship completely and fully. Sometimes I think maybe you ought to just go ahead and have the invitation time at the beginning of the service so we can all get freed up and get all the stuff out of the way. And then we can give God his due glory. Instead of him waiting till after the service. Freedom to worship and have fellowship with God. Hebrews 10. One more verse. Let me give it to you. Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 22. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. There's a lot in the blood, isn't it? The blood of the cross. It's there for my 
reconciliation. It's there for my redemption, for my cleansing, for my peace, for my nearness to the Lord, for my fellowship with Him, for my forgiveness, for my freedom. It's all in the blood of Jesus Christ. As we think about this coming Easter and as we begin to approach thinking about the time, the passion of Christ when He's going to the cross, let's not forget the importance of it and the importance of why He did what He did. And every drop was shed. Every drop was shed for you and for me. We ought to be humbled that Christ would do that for us. We ought to be humbled. It ought to make us want to draw near. It ought to make us want to serve Him. It ought to make us want to love Him like never before. It ought to make us want to go out and tell everybody else about Him. What He did for me. And what He did for them as well. If they'll accept Him. Let's bow our hearts in prayer.